We have a pretty good percentage of children here this morning. We've been coming through a time, a year, uh, I guess only God knows as time stands how we will look back and reflect on this year and come into our midst, different experiences. And uh, as most of the world would look on us, they would look on our setting and situation with a degree of of desire that they could share what we have, that they could have what they perceive us to have in this land. And yet as we look around us, about us, as we listen, as we compare what we see and hear around us with what we see in the Word of God, we are made to acknowledge that we live in a very needy land. We live in a land that is bearing the scars and wounds of distrust, of selfishness. <clears throat> and as I thought about that, you know, it's one thing for us as brothers and sisters to seek to allow the Spirit of God, the Word of God to wash us, to keep us pure. I have to think as well how... How do we as, as uh, fathers and mothers, as parents, how do we carry that on and help the coming generation, those that are not to the age of accountability, how do we help them to understand, to learn the virtues of the Word of God in being that foundation to help us to live above sin and confusion around us? We already know that as children, we are born with nature, nature of the flesh, a fallen nature. And yet, um, in today's world, is it any different for us? Are we up to the challenge to minister to? I struggled a little bit this week, I guess partly because I was kind of drifting in and out of getting my strength back and different things, and I wasn't sure what to share this morning, and mine went different directions. <clears throat> but I'd like to give uh, somewhat of a parallel to a message I used recently uh, to some extent. I'd like to invite you to Acts um, Acts chapter 17, there's a couple verses here, they're found here in uh, Acts 17 verse 10 and 11, and one of the things that we acknowledge as God's people is that we are not infallible, we are not perfect, we are needy creatures, <clears throat> and as we seek to convey that and remind the younger generation of that as well, they fairly quickly can acknowledge and, and identify uh, mistakes we make and so forth. But one of the things that I believe are a, a real help to us and a foundational principle we find here in the spirit of these verses, it says here in verse 10, And the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night unto Berea, who coming thither 
went into the synagogue of the Jews. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the, the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily, whether those things were so. Now, this is not a, a new passage by any means for us, but we notice here something that is, is fading in and out. Um, is that the people of God find their strength and their grace and their power in seeking the face of God. And here, those were acknowledged as those that received the Word of God. They considered it for the Word of God. They, they allowed it to minister that, to them. They searched it with diligence. And then um, it goes pretty much without saying, that a heart that searches diligently will make application to what the Word reveals. You know, we, we've come through a time and are in the midst of a time in which we don't have all the answers. And yet we can direct the young ones in our midst to help them understand that, that we don't have all, every cut and dried answer for the things we are facing in life, and yet there is blessing in returning to the Word and um, allowing Him to minister to our needs through the Word and giving us direction and power to function. I think one of the greatest challenges here in, these, in this year, in these months of, of change <clears throat> for us has been in overcoming the diverse um, patterns of thought and so forth, and especially as we look at the world around us and we see the injustices, and we have to, we have to hold our, we have to bite our lip, we have to ponder those things at times, and it takes perhaps a uh, extra effort of love on our part to to labor in love and show respect to those around us and, and our, our comments toward those in the world around us. We are not as those of the world that justify their license for, for vengeance based on how they are treated by others. We, we see examples that aren't befitting of following in the world around us. But we are called to acknowledge God's perfect hand us. I invite you to Isaiah chapter 55. These are not new verses by any means, but they are special verses to me in the sense <coughs> excuse me. Sometimes when we find ourselves with questions and we don't or questions or concerns or uh, frustrations we don't understand everything and we wonder why things need to be the way they are. I think we do well to remind ourselves that our thoughts, our ability to comprehend everything is not in its fullness as God reveals himself to us. For here in uh, chapter 55, verse 9, verse 7 actually, Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him and to our God. For he will abundantly pardon. 
For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain cometh down and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth, watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth and bud, that it may be that it may give sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing that whereto I sent it. Am I okay with the idea, the concept, the truth that God's thoughts are far above my thoughts? Are you okay with that idea? Are you at ease to simply acknowledge that God is far greater than you? I think it helps me. I think it helps us to acknowledge that it is perfectly correct and right for us to trust in Him, to rest in Him in those aspects of life that we don't have the perfect answer for. We don't have the answer that we would prefer. Uh, we, don't, we don't see our way through certain things as perhaps we would like to. I ask us this question this morning, am I okay? Does it rather encourage me to go back to Him, to seek Him for direction, for strength? Sometimes our thoughts are mirrored in the examples in Scripture, and I invite you to turn to the Gospel of Mark. We have there some questions being debated. Help us to see ourselves in, in a way, but times... Mark chapter 10, beginning in verse 35. <clears throat> and James and John, the sons of Zebedee, come unto him, saying, Master, we would that thou shouldest do for us whatsoever we shall desire. And he said unto them, What would ye that I should do for you? They said unto him, Grant unto us that we may sit one on thy right hand and the other on thy left hand in thy glory. But Jesus said unto them, Ye know not what ye ask. Can ye drink of the cup that I drink of, and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? And they said unto him, We can. And Jesus said unto them, Ye shall indeed drink of the cup that I drink of, and with the baptism that I am baptized with all shall ye be baptized. But to sit on my right hand and on my left hand is not mine to give, but it shall be given to them for whom it is prepared. And when the ten heard it, they began to be much displeased with James and John. What was the motive of the question that these... We see the effect it had created a little bit of a dissatisfaction there. And I think it's so, so typical of of us and our, our nature as, as mere mortals for us to at times become, allow ourselves to expend energy and, and fret and worry about things that, that are not profitable. And um, 
if we would gather in discussion, we would likely conclude that the motives, the values that these had in their request be somewhat unprincipled, somewhat for wrong reasons, and yet they sought to have that to result, that control in what created in their experience that vision, that desire, that goal to reach out and to make that request. We could say, well, they didn't have priorities right. They didn't have their values correct. They didn't understand everything. And I think we could probably say that fits us all, doesn't it? We don't always have it just the way we need to have it. We don't, don't always see clearly. And sometimes when we experience that, that inner struggle, perhaps, it's a reminder to me, it's a reminder to you, it's a reminder to us that we need to go back to God and, and say, God, what is, what is right? What is correct? And to allow it to rest in His hands. The world needs us to love them. The world needs us to show respect for who they are and their needs around us. Time to time we see that we have fallen into pitfalls. We make mistakes because we fail to acknowledge um, God's sovereign hand in leading us in commanding our trust and we sometimes withdraw it from Another scripture in the Old Testament here, Isaiah, Jeremiah. Um, but it, it's something here that um, stood out to me in a different way. I shared it earlier on the, the value of the prophet reminding us of our greatest glory being that in understanding and knowing our God. But in the previous verse here, chapter 9, verse 23, he brings that or he brings out three illustrations of, of God's admonition warning man not to trust in themselves, in their wisdom, their knowledge, uh, their understanding, pardon me, not the wise man glory in his might, let not the rich man glory in uh, to consider. And if you consider those things, warns against as standing in the way of us knowing and understanding God, those things are elements of, of control. When man trusts in his wisdom, when man trusts in his riches, when man trusts in his might, there is the potential, the likelihood that there will be that pitfall of of resting in that control factor. And that was brought out in my mind somewhat in a new way recently, and I'd like to invite you to the book of James, <clears throat> chapter 5. We have there the verses regarding the ordinance for anointing with oil. I don't know through the years how you all have found it, but I've in recent you know, of this passage meaning significance in my life and the blessing that I think is there for us. Some time ago I became more keenly aware of the what seemed to be sort of a 
some thoughts shared there without true continuity, but in the context of them, in verse 12, we notice that he, he warns against, but he says, But above all things, my brethren, swear not neither by heaven, neither by earth, neither by other. Let your yea be yea and your nay nay, lest you fall. In the previous verses, there's, there are references to, uh, in the first part of the chapter particularly, regarding men that would qualify to fit into those categories in, in Jeremiah 3. Men with the riches, men with might, men with means, men that had the ability to control to a great extent their lives. And then he goes on down in, in chapter 5, verses 6 and, or, and 7. He says, Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the fruit of the earth, and hath long patience for it until he receive the early. He's drawing a picture in, the, in that verse, in the following verses there, that there is the need to trust, to rest in God in a very particular sense. And then in, down in verse 12, I made reference to the fact about not swearing. Don't put demands on God. And in the context of this passage of having uh, physical afflictions, it is, it is such a um, picture of encouragement that while we know God is able, He is not, He is warning us about those that, that would seek to control their lives. Such a blessing to, to merely wait before Him and to acknowledge His hand over and control the outcome. And in that perspective, there is the ability to truly um, <clears throat> be. Now, if I'd ask you all this morning to stand up and tell me why you're at peace this morning, could you do it? Or are you at peace? We probably would all identify with moments in which we are pondering the threshold of not being at peace. Jesus said he spoke of his peace as being something and yet it's in times like these that It is times like these when we are especially equipped by His grace and power to express a peace that passeth the mere understanding of and, and express that value and, and, and the foundation on which it rests to the young ones in our midst. They're viewing the world around them, the inconsistencies and injustices. Can... Those around me, can they tell with clarity who's fighting my battles? Can those around you tell with clarity who's fighting your battles? What is it in our lives that shows Him as being the one Sometimes there can be those things that show up on the surface that manifest a, uh, a spirit of discontentment. 
spirit of frustration that impede us in being able to love God in its fullness. That impede us in being able to love and respect those around us, amongst us. And, you know, I think of the challenges for you parents with young children here this morning. Don't lose sight of the virtue of, of just seeking to encourage that, that element of love and expression for even those situations that are undesirable around us at times in life. Those individuals who are struggling. I've made reference to the passage there in Jeremiah and James 5 regarding our need to trust God and the warnings in Scripture of the dangers of seeking to control our lives, but rather to rest in Him. And I'd like to, for you just to consider the simple, the simple phrase and, and equation that helps us to realize when we have a problem. But if you consider as an equation, God minus trust equals God minus trust equals control. When we, for whatever reason, are limiting our trust in God, then we begin to make efforts. We have the ability to, to, to exert control over circumstances and situations. And, um, and then we stand the chance of being like those disciples that were looking for specific places and locations and, and unprincipled motives coming into their choices. And so I would just uh, encourage us to remember that that position of control results from a spirit of fear and a lack of peace. We can look around us, look back at our memories, and I had to think, as I sat out here this morning, I almost told the brethren, but as we sat there gathered for our Sunday school class, and I looked up there, see it from here, but there's what we call the woodshed up there where I grew up, and there's a lean-to roof on the back. And it was there under that lean-to roof a lot of good lessons from my father. And many of those lessons were because there were elements of control in my life that were trying to be exerted. Control, that I wanted to find this privilege or that privilege, or I wanted things to be done a certain way. And special blessings, I looked up there this morning. <clears throat> See, our time is moving on, and I won't be able to cover everything I have here this morning, but I would just remind you that if you care to turn to Matthew chapter 6 or not, it's a familiar passage. But I just remind us that Jesus, I think, knew a lot more about what he was trying to convey to his disciples and to us when he said, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. The additional elements of life are <clears throat> not to worry, nor fret, nor become frustrated. Because I think God, in a very real way, our trust in Him exemplified.
our obedience to him manifested. We see in, in each other's lives a trust and obedience with joy. I think we truly see the grace of God at work. One of the other things that I think are helpful to us is when we can see each other as God sees us, there is blessing. And it enhances the depth of our love as brothers and sisters because we see each other as as those there not as the I think with the time here this morning I'd like to just share with you a poem is not new to us but it's one that I think uh, thought about maybe having the children out help recite it, but I won't, but I would encourage you parents to, on a foundational basis, <clears throat> teach your children the, the significance of these words in ministering to their brothers and sisters, to you as to those they're around, and we so need it in the world we find in today. Lord, Make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. O oh, divine master, grant that if I may not so much that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand. To be loved as to love, for it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying. May our lives <clears throat> rejoice in our hope eternal as we serve day by day.